Welcome to the latest episode of Nudges for Social Good podcast from the Local Government Association. My name is Rian Gladman and I manage the Behaviour Change Programme here at the LGA. And as we said before, our aim here really is to demystify behavioural insights and behavioural change and provide you in councils with really uh, practical projects and practical learning that you can then have a go with in your own council with your own behavioural change projects. So we like to keep it very practical, um, very pragmatic, and, um, and I hope you get a lot of value from this conversation today. So today I'm joined by Dave Tyrrell from Knowlesley Council. Hi, Dave. Good morning, Ria. Nice to talk How to you again. How are you today? Yeah, fine, thank you. Working from home like so many people, but yeah, I'm fine. Good stuff, good stuff. Thanks for your time today. Really appreciate that. Just to kick things off, Dave, I just think it would be really useful if you could um, say a bit more about your role at the council. Yeah, yes, indeed. Yeah, so I'm the project officer focusing on assistive technology at Knowsley Council. And the key word to my role is really around promotion, promotion of the assistive technology offer. And that is both out and about in the community uh, with residents groups or interest groups, but also with uh, partners of care providers or, or other voluntary groups. So there's that aspect of it. Then the other key aspect of what I do is around promoting the deployment of the technology amongst social care practitioners, trying to get them to uh, think technology very early on in the development of a, a package of care for somebody, rather than just going all the time for a, uh, a traditional uh, hands-on package of care. So that's me. The key, key word for me is promotion. Excellent stuff, excellent stuff. So be really useful if you can set out really in our conversation today um, the behaviour change project that, that you did at Knowsley around assistive technology and, and just sort of tell us the story really from start to finish. And um, yes, yeah, so if you could kick off with what was the original challenge? What was the behaviour you were trying to change? Absolutely, yeah. Well, we uh, felt that we had a, a great offer to give to people. Um, we had a good story to tell. Our members had made a real commitment to assistive technology and put a lot of money behind it. And we felt that we had a great AT offer. So for our residents, the equipment was free. The cost of monitoring, we believed, was very affordable, beginning at £1.11 per week. Now I say we believe because £1.11 can be a lot of money to some people. But we felt that it was an affordable offer. We didn't limit the types of technology that we would use. If we, if somebody needed something and we had to go and find it, we go looking for it. We didn't just limit it. We'd uh, adopted a 12-week free trial offer from March 2017, a bit of a try before you buy, if you like it. And that and the take up increased by around nine uh, users per month compared to the preceding two years. And the good thing around that was about 88% of those people signed up to the to continue with the service after that. So your your challenge really was to encourage change the behaviour of local people to take up this assistive tech offer to help them to live independently, would you say? Absolutely, yeah. And the technology could help do that in all sorts of ways. So uh, 
in terms of health, helping people with health issues. So, for example, epilepsy sensors and epilepsy mats, we could uh, have a direct impact on that. Self-care needs, so things around medication management devices and the basic reassurance as well of having a, a lifeline device where somebody was available at the, at the touch of a button to provide some support. Our technology helped people get out into the community as well through things like GPS devices. It helped home security with things like the bogus caller alarms. And then there's the well-known stuff such as around hazard management, things like smoke alar alarms and the, and the flood alerts. And we just felt that it was such a great offer. We could help people to remain living independently in so many different ways. We worked very hard. Uh, that promotion. But despite these things are and the obvious benefits of the technology, we just didn't feel that the uptake was what it should have been. And our challenge was whether we uh, whether we didn't really understand the problem or in fact, did we have a problem? That was a part of the issue. Our view really was that we should have been achieving more, but for whatever reason, we weren't where we wanted to be. And I, I do think of it around as a bit of a hearts and minds issue as well, and that uh, there was lots of evidence, anecdotal evidence, as to why people might not want the technology. So arising from one of our major stakeholder events, um, stakeholders were saying to us, they gave us a list of things were which uh, factors which indicated the problems with take-up of technology. So it included things like uh, they didn't know what was available, Having to put, having to pay even a, a nominal, nominal amount puts people off. One of the big things, you know, was uh, families of people who are requiring care take a lot of persuading that technology is uh, the right way to take care of their loved one. And one of the classic ones for me was that uh, it was that older people didn't understand technology. Now our service can be for people of all ages, but inevitably because our care needs increase as we get older, the service tended to support older people more. There's this challenge that older people didn't understand technology, but that's not what I found, because I go to many groups of older people and uh, a good proportion of them were, you know, had their smartphones, were on the, the internet, but those were the kind of things which uh, we felt were some of the barriers or the stakeholders were telling us were, were barriers. So. Mm. We wanted to understand those reasons and our thoughts turned from um, what we were offering to how we were offering it and um, yeah, do we need to, to change to achieve greater success? So you, you're clear on your, your behavioural challenge, you're very clear on what the behaviour is you want to change and then you've talked there about a stakeholder group and, and you know having a meeting with them to find out what the barriers were. So the next stage really is that you go and you find out gather insights and gather do your research gathering don't you to try and understand the behavior what drives it and, and the barriers to it so how did you go about gathering those insights and, and that research absolutely yeah well it it came about at just the right time really because we've been pondering those issues i've just described when the opportunity came to bid for monies from the lga's behavior insights program and that was in november of 2017 um, with the support of the council we bid uh, for, for some of those monies to commission an organization 
to carry out a behavioural insights investigation. And that was with a view to designing alternative interventions and supporting us to refine and better target and better communicate our offer. Because as I said, you know, we felt we were doing things well, we were working hard at it, but there was something missing. And I have to say that there was a little bit of experience uh, within the council already through our public health team who used uh, behavioural insights techniques as part of their health campaigns, you know, things like smoking cessation uh, campaigns or healthy eating campaigns. So we we called on the, their advice as well before we uh, submitted our bid. And the significant date for us was January 2018 when we appointed the behavioural insights team uh, to carry out that behavioural insight study on our behalf or alongside us. And really, what, as I say, what we wanted from them was a, a deeper understanding of why uh, what we felt was a great offer wasn't taken up more widely and advice on how to commu better communicate and tailor our, uh, our offer. And I think quite significantly as well, an approach that was broader than, than just the eligible people, and broader than just the traditional assistive technology, technology offer. So that was great for us. It came at just the right time. It was what we wanted. In terms of the focusing uh, with the behavioural insights team and how we were going to go about things, the specific questions or the specific approach, I should say, is part of the, uh, the way we went about the intervention, as was that we adopted a multi-method approach to answer three main questions. So what are the barriers to people taking up AT? What are the existing touch points we could use to encourage people to take up AT? That was a, a new area for me, a bit of learning for me. Mm -hmm. And then significantly, of course, how we could evaluate any potential change using the existing uh, data that we that we had. So there were sort of four main parts in terms of what actually happened. And uh, there was the background stuff, you know, the researching, the, the evidence based from academic and policy research focusing on AT-related publications. Uh, there was work around mapping referral pathways and user journeys. That was clearly to help us understand if there were any barriers, but also opportunities. Massive amount of work around the reviewing the available data. This was supplied by clearly the council, ourselves as the client, but also our telecare service provider who are known as Home Care Link. And so we provide lots of information around referral sources, referral numbers, installation and installation numbers. And then just finally, in terms of the, the way we went about it, there's really the field work element and that included interviews with senior council staff, um, the people from the telecare service provider, Home Care Link, uh, health service managers from the, the CCG. There were field work visits to interview adult social care staff and to observe interactions as well between the frontline hospital staff at the, the discharge team and service users. And then just finally, uh, there were focus groups uh, with local residents and service users at which uh, we prototyped some of the proposed intervention materials. You mentioned earlier, something really interesting, you said you were talking to the stakeholder group and there was this sense that maybe there was a, the barrier was technology itself. 
And then when you actually spoke to residents, that wasn't coming through as a barrier. I just, is, was there any, I just think that's a really interesting point, isn't it? That difference in maybe the professional view of what we think the barrier is, but then really getting under the uh, under the bonnet really of what's driving that behaviour and what the barriers really are by talking to people. Are there any other sort of surprises that, that came out of that as well? Yeah, I, I, I think it is an important point. I can almost uh, in my mind's eye see, remember the meetings where actually sometimes it was uh, council officers saying things like, you know, if we said we we're going to communicate with people by email or put information online, then the immediate response was, oh, not everybody has email or is online. That's absolutely true. But what is absolutely true as well is that the vast, vast majority of people do. And obviously we would find the correct ways to communicate with with our potential service users. We wouldn't just go for, for one route. I always felt that was quite a, a telling moment and it was always something which kept coming back. And I always use the uh, analogy around, you know, we don't understand we don't have to understand the the technology in great detail, but we just need to to be able to to use it and feel its benefits. And there was always the point, of course, around there was lots of support to help people to to use the technology. So that's why I mentioned the the phrase hearts and minds. Mm. It's just an automatic assumption that you know, that the, sort of like it was the negative response taking over uh, the positive opportunities. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, it's really, really important as well, isn't it, around the behaviour change being driven by the benefits and the positives that people experience. If, it, if it's a positive thing, then there is more encouragement to do keep doing the new behaviour that you're trying to encourage, isn't it? If it's there's a benefit, Absolutely. I think that benefits realisation point is has just been a really important project through, sorry, an important point through this project, hasn't it? Um, as you say, to get the hearts really? and minds. I, ju I just really wanted to to focus on that a bit more because it's it's definitely um, the driver being positive and, and having a good experience you will be more likely to continue on with with that behavior so um so excellent okay so you've done this serious amount of insights and research and data and you've done focus groups and workshops with a lot of your partner public sector partners mm. um service delivery partner as well home care link and in, really importantly obviously you know local residents people who will potentially be the target audience that you want to, you know, get to, to use assistive technology. So, so you've got all of this um, data and evidence, um, all this rich learning that you didn't have before. So how did you come to the, the, the nudge, the intervention that you actually tried out? Yeah, I think it was really important around talking to the stakeholders um, and stakeholders are not only people in the community and um, and, and partners. It's also people who are, are working within the council. And so we identified our, our key sort of activity once we launched the intervention was to target the touch points. And those touch points were around people who received the blue badge service, a parking disability service, and people who received the assisted bin collection service um, which is exactly as it sounds, clearly, of people who are not able to put out to their, their refuse bins themselves, support serves for those people. And I was really fascinated by that because I had never thought about uh, the possibility of targeting 
a comparatively limited number of people. And that was just under 9,000 people. And Nosley's have got a population of 146,000. And our instinct always in local government is to get the message out equally to everybody. Mm -hmm. uh, so we focused on, uh, as I say, the blue badges and the people receiving the assisted bin collection service. But also as well, we uh, went strongly with our community navigation team or community navigators who deliver the social prescribing role in the area. And then as you would expect, uh, we changed the way we delivered our routine offerings. So this is people contacting us through the website or through our first response team or social workers, practitioners dealing with clients who are interested in assist assistive technology. So we focused on those uh, routes for de designing the, the actual intervention. And so, yes, there's quite a lot of stakeholders that you've worked with there. So so I guess it's that real collaborative co-design approach. Everyone feels part of it. Was was that what you're aiming to say? Was that did you get good feedback from stakeholders that they were able to be involved in this process and felt taken along yes. the journey with you? And I, I think so. And I think one of the uh, I mentioned earlier on as part of the the field work approach, the work that we did with uh, service users and particularly through the Nosley Older People's Voice uh, via our local health watch. That was absolutely uh, fascinating. Uh, the outcome to that, I wasn't involved in it uh, quite rightly. It was done deliberately uh, and objectively by the Behavioural Insights team. So that was really, really important. Um, and the contributions made by say, people within the council towards were um, the delivery of the offer might be more effective uh, was really important. So in terms of the stakeholders we work with to actually develop and deliver the intervention, uh, clearly the telecare service provider themselves were always going to be super important in this process because the hope would, was that after the, as a result of the intervention, there'd be a, uh, an increase in demand. So there were issues around capacity and their ability to, to respond so they were very, very key to the process and not just in terms of capacity that they had the, the numbers there to respond, but the way in which they responded as well. And one of the key things that they were asked to do, this is the telecare service provider, was to uh, follow up you know, sort of initial inquiries. So people may make a tentative inquiry around the use of the technology. Um, and maybe not uh, commit to it there and then. But and this is perhaps slightly uh, sort of a marketing approach. Uh, home care link, we're required to then get back to those people to to follow it up to say, OK, well, you're not going to sign up today, but let's uh, let's come back to you a little bit further down the line. Our own first response team uh, are clearly very, very important. They are a very highly skilled team focusing on assist, uh, sorry, the adult social care service of dealing with inquiries coming in, uh, perhaps very much the, the front door of the adult social care service. And they needed to understand what the uh, assistive technology offer was and to be able to answer inquiries questions. And they needed to be aware that the leaflet was going out to around these, say, just under 9,000 people, and what it was about and, and what was on offer. Our own communications team were very important in the process too. 
not only in help in leading on the design of the LIFA, but in communicating uh, with our council members to make sure that they understood what was going on and they were able to play their role as well. And then just finally, uh, adult social care staff as well, because uh, it would be their role to promote the offer, but to do that in a way which was in line with our um, behavioural insights led uh, approach. Yeah, yeah. So, so I guess to recap, really, so you're clear on your behavioural challenge, you want to encourage the behaviour locally of, of people eligible for assistive technology to take up assistive technology so they can live more independently in their homes. So you're clear on that behaviour, you've gone out and done your research, insights, data gathering with partners, stakeholders in the wider system and also local people who you want to target with this offer. Uh, to understand the behaviour, understand the barriers. Um, you've then gone away and co-designed with your partners a series of interventions in order to change the behaviour. So what were exactly for the audience, what were those interventions that you then tried to use to change the behaviour? Yeah, it's quite straightforward ultimately. It was the design of a new information leaflet using uh, behavioural insight behavioural insights methods and techniques and sending that alongside a personal letter to the residents in the touch point groups that we had identified. So that's the, as I say, just under 9,000 people. That was the key intervention, but then alongside that, it was the training that we'd given to adult social care staff about the intervention and how they should use a more behavioural insights led approach to dealing with clients who were interested in the uh, in in the service. And yeah, I think that the copy of the leaflet I'm sure is on the the LGA website. Um, um, yeah, it is. Thanks for that. Thanks for yeah. It's it's on there. Other councils can use it. It's free to sort of you can download it and and basically um, you know use what you guys in Nosley have done uh, done the hard work. So yeah, it's all up there on our website. That's great. You know, uh, really, it's not to be underestimated the value of looking at the way in which you communicate. So people might think, oh, it's only a leaflet. But it's actually quite uh, significant. We'd mentioned earlier on that the way in which we present uh, an offer, whether we do it in terms of a, a gain to the individual or in terms of a loss, uh, is quite important. So in our leaflet, we took a gain frame approach where we set out the benefits to the uh, to the clients of taking up the assistive technology and that it would extend their independence and safety, give them peace of mind, that the technology was low cost, was easy to use. And I was th um, a lovely phrase that we used, which was very uncouncil-like. This is on the leaflet where we spoke about the technology fading into the background. And we would normally do that kind of thing, use that kind of language on a, on a council leaflet. So we focused on, uh, on in the leaflet on the the gains that could be made rather than the, the, the negative side of not having uh, technology. And we also used the technique um, around sort of, I think it's called social norming, uh, where we presented information on the leaflet, which showed that actually uh, there are many thousands of people uh, in Nosley who already uh, took up the, took, had taken up the offer. So by highlighting 
that lots of people are already performing the behavior that we wanted to encourage would hopefully make people realize that actually they're the ones who are, who are being, being different. Um, and um, again, unusually, we had, an, we had an individual client, his face and a, a quote from, a picture of him and a quote from him talking about the, his uh, positive experience of being part of the, of the telecare service. Um, and because the behavior of peers is actually a, a very powerful influence um, and people can underestimate how common a particular behavior is. So there's an awful lot of thought that went into the leaflet and, that's, and it's it, it was very powerful. And just to mention that personal letter as well, we needed to, we felt that it was appropriate to just put that alongside the leaflet when we sent it out. Otherwise the leaflet might just be seen as just any other leaflet. We wanted the letter to go to Mr. and Mrs. or Mr. Smith, Mr. Mrs. Smith, and to know that it was directed to them. We wanted them to, to read it. Yeah, I think also another point on that leaflet, Dave, did you not make quite interesting use of, of images and the individual you talked about is probably not the typical person you would think of needing assistive technology. Um, you use quite a different sort of demographic. He's a younger guy. Um, and it's yeah, it's, I just thought that was a really interesting use there yes. of, of, of the messenger really, isn't it? The messenger effect we talk about in behaviour change. So if you'd like to say a bit more about that, please, that'd be great. I'd be, yeah, I'd be happy to. Yes, you're absolutely right. The the gentleman concerned was clearly of a of younger age range um, and he was more than happy to to contribute uh, to, to the leaf and understood what, what it was all about. Um, and yeah, we, you know, when I went to meet him, he was sort of quite a quite a capable chap. I think he'd been a nurse for a number of years, but had to retire not, uh, not uh, too long uh, before I, I actually met him. And it was the big message that uh, he got over in his quote was around the reassurance that the, in his case, the, the pendant alarm uh, gives him. Um, and he, he had sort of physical disability issues as well, and he sort of uh, liable to falls. So we just focused on those two things, the reassurance about the alarm, being able to press it and to and to get some support. And you're also absolutely right about the, the images that we used in the centre of the leaflet. We just uh, put nice clear pictures of four uh, particular devices, and we picked those devices uh, one's a medication dispenser, one's the basic uh, alarm, one is a, a, a smart home assistant, an Alexa or a, or a Google device, and the other's a GPS watch, because we thought they would be the things which would uh, interest people uh, the most, rather than just as in previous leaflets, the, the, pendant, the pendant alarm. Um, so we just provided information about those, because it's very easy to overload people mm, with information. Yeah as a result of which they then they then don't do anything. So we tried to get information or even to name all of the devices that we had available, then it would have just been too much. So we just picked those uh, those four things so that we didn't overload overload people. They're nice, big, clear pictures uh, with clear descriptions on. And as I say, we felt it was a very, very effective and we continue to, to use that design now. Mm -hmm. 
So that's the leaflet and the personalised letter. And you mentioned some, some training was part of the intervention as well. Absolutely. Yeah. We, the uh, head of the intervention, uh, we went to train the uh, adult social care staff and they also had a, a leaflet uh, documentation for them to use to take with them uh, to help when they were talking to people individually. And uh, it presented again the, the benefits, the, the gain frame approach. Uh, there was a bit of a, uh, a model on there explaining how what would happen uh, if somebody fell and they didn't have a lifeline alone compared to if they did have a lifeline alarm and the the good news story being that if you have a lifeline alarm you can be and you have a fall in your home then you can be back in your seat and you know and nice and safe within a, a short space of time whereas the the alternative and this was um uh, for the social workers to use was that you know you, there's a potential for a stay in hospital um so it the the, the pendant alarm helps to get a a good positive uh, response. Uh, so the big focus was on uh, the the gain frames uh, or the gains that can be achieved by people uh, taking on on the service. And there's also the information around the, um, the the wide take up of the technology across uh, across the borough, so that more people were using it than uh, people may may think there were. Excellent stuff. Excellent stuff. So, so you've got the two interventions there to so your targeted 9,000 people plus your staff, obviously, as you mentioned. So what's the impact been? What were the results? The, the immediate result was significant. So what I'll do, I'll just give you the, the facts uh, straight out. So compared to the three months before the intervention, the intervention itself uh, took place over a period of three months, referrals rose by 39% and installations rose by 27%. And then we did a, an assessment of the impact on the council's website. So compared to the five months before the intervention, page views on the website increased by 57%, and average time spent on the sister technology page increased by nearly 64%. So those were really, really uh, good outcomes. Now. Um, Behavioural Insights team advised that we are better to adopt a simple pre-post analysis measure because it can be difficult to identify the causal effect of an intervention uh, when using a pre-post design, but it becomes more plausible to claim that any changes in the outcome measure were caused by the, inter the intervention when two conditions are met and we met those conditions and they were that the intervention has a very large effect well and the percentage increases I just gave you clearly it did have a very large effect and that's more likely to, to happen when the intervention is introduced suddenly and with intensity so it wasn't rolled out over a very a, a long period of time it was just get those letters out uh, one day in September of 2018 and the intervention was was underway. And then the second thing uh, which makes a pre-post analysis the right way to measure the impact of the intervention in this case was that the pre-intervention trends in the outcome measures 
don't vary very much. And that was absolutely our case. We had a steady increase in the take up of installations, but it wasn't like it was up and down and up and down. So in terms of numbers, uh, the um, the number of new installations per month prior to the impact was the, sorry, the intervention was stable around 50 to 60 per month, uh, but then jumped to 90 to 100 per month after the intervention began. And so all that would suggest that the intervention worked as uh, we intended. And just to say as well that uh, since then, uptake has continued to increase steadily. Uh, we've got a further 602 users since the time of the intervention, which was, which ended in December 2018. And that's 13.5% uh, you know, of our total number of connections. And you won't be surprised to know there's a little bit of a dip in the early stages of the, the COVID lockdown period yeah. for, for obvious reasons. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, so we were confident that a simple pre-post analysis uh, was a robust way of measuring the intervention. Excellent. Wow, there's some amazing results, Dave. I mean, 39% increase in referrals. With with a lot of these projects, we're looking at small nudges of three to four percent increase or decrease, and and you know that's that's a huge result. But importantly, like you say, it's actually leading to the installations. It's not just you're getting a referral in and then the system's not able to work behind it. You are actually getting. Uh, the installations and and the fact you've got that 602 users since you you know December 20 you finished the the projects as such so that just speaks volumes to me that you know are, are the are the leaflet and the intervention other interventions are they just now business as norm for you you still using them yes we are still using we we're slightly tweaking them because we want to uh, we're using more complex technology now which is one of the the stories around the uh, the impact really of the of the intervention, um, and we want to uh, make people aware of the more complex technologies that we're, we're using, which is things like um, interactive medication compliance devices and multifunctional uh, tablet devices, which can help uh, clients to manage their own package of care. So we're we're moving on from uh, not just the uh, reactive kit, so the, the basic lifeline, which uh, is so, so important to the service, but it's just around uh, create uh, raising an alert at the moment of a crisis to yeah. the more complex devices, uh, which helping people to manage either particular aspects of their care or indeed uh, the, the, the whole package of care. And we do feel in terms of impact that there's a greater awareness of uh, technology solutions among staff and residents and families and our members continue to show um, a, a great interest in uh, the rollout of the technology and colleagues uh, presented an update on how things are going um, uh, within the Institute of Technology programme earlier this year. That's, that's, that's great stuff Dave, that's, that's just such a good result isn't it? Um, and you've told, I just think the way you told that story from start to finish really clearly how you ran the projects, what you did, what you found and, and the results is, is just great. A, a great credit to you and the council and your colleagues. Um, so and how are you sort of taking the results forward and behavioural insights forward into other areas of the council? Are you still continuing the work? Yes, I'm very pleased to say that that, that is happening. 
Um, I've mentioned just then the presentation to members on assistive technology earlier this year and uh, where they made a decision that a further marketing strategy should be developed to promote uh, the take up of uh, the technology, but to use our learning from the behavioural insights study and other uh, applications of behavioural insights and other cells of knowledge around the council uh, where they do use a uh, behavioural insight. So that was really uh, important. Um, in, in fact, the, this is going to be a key part, key objective in our adult social care transformation and recovery plan, recovery being a uh, post-COVID. And it's also going to support the basic behavioural insights learning, our planned approach around uh, promoting a technology first policy when uh, working with our, our practitioners. So we want them to look at, and I probably hinted at this in my very, very early on in the conversation, that we want them to look at technology as the first solution rather than um, sort of further down the line or uh, uh, at the end of the, the process of evaluation and assessment of a, a client's needs. Yeah, yeah. And just, I mean, I guess they think of all those other areas of the council where they're looking to increase uptake increase you know or change certain behaviors I, I just you know obviously within adult social care but then there's across across the council so many so many areas that you know you've got a really good example here haven't you that you can um advocate about and share with with other parts of the council and so so that's fun that's fantastic so as I said at the beginning of the podcast, Dave we're really keen to give the listeners really practical tips yes. so I guess what would your top three tips be to anyone but busy um, elected member, busy council officer who wants to undertake their own behaviour change project, what would your top three tips be to them? Okay, I we, we, I feel that the, the data, data, data is the is one of the key things. Yeah. Um, it's so easy to, to just try and be, uh, think, oh, I know my area, I know what's going on. We've got to look at all the information which is available and the behavioural insights team were really data hungry. Uh, we provided them with as much as we had around the AT offer, the telecare contract, uh, the performance regarding take up our promotional literature. Um, we had a GIS report on areas of take up our policies and procedures. We've got to take it all in the round. So there's so much of what we do these days uh, really needs to be led by data and we've got to go with it if we're looking to uh, use behavioural insight techniques uh, as well. The other thing is around stakeholder engagement um, and I think the thing around, I think councils generally are good at stakeholder engagement mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. we need to be aware then that it may take us down areas we weren't anticipating. So for me, as I said earlier, uh, we ended up uh, targeting, our, targeting our intervention uh, towards areas which are outside of the adult social care realm, really in terms of the, the blue badges and uh, the assisted the assisted bin service, or without in terms of the blue badges, sort of certainly outside the assistive technology area. And one of our favourite phrases that we use now is really "be less council, be prepared okay. to do two things a little bit differently." So mm -hmm. in local government, our instinct is to provide all the information that we have to service users or potential service users. 
but it can lead to overload and then a, a lack of action or response. So be prepared to do things uh, a bit differently. And I went through the leaflet in a little bit of detail earlier on. The leaflet just featured the most interesting devices. It featured a, the personal testimony from the, the one gentleman. Uh, it left some information uh, out really in order to uh, gain people's interest. So be a bit different in the way you do things, uh, be a bit less counsel. Really clear, clear tips there for others to take away based on your, your learning and your, your experience of this project. So yeah, really hope that would be useful to, to people listening to the podcast. So I guess we're kind of coming to the end, but final question really um, is what behaviours are you seeing locally changing because of COVID-19 in your communities in Knowsley? Yeah, I think one of the, the big things we've seen is that it's actually broken down some of the technology and that in the in the broad sense, uh, technology barriers, because we've all seen now how it can actually uh, work effectively. So for me, COVID has actually acted as a catalyst to the increased use of technology. Mm. So, you know, we're, within work, we're using Zoom or Teams for our meetings. And I'm sure many people are using the similar media for their own family use, for family get togethers, GP surgeries and consultations are now available online and people are using them. It's not such a, uh, a, a barrier as it used to be. Uh, we used uh, Teams technology to launch our own older people's strategy just recently involving you know, any, a wide number of people, wide number of stakeholders, and that was really successful. And one of the things as well is that residents are now approaching us around the use of technology within uh, to help take care of their, their loved ones because they realise they can't interact in, in the same way or deliver care in the same way. And this has led to uh, some of the more complex technology being used early on in lockdown. The focus was perhaps just keeping an eye or staying in visual contact with the loved one, being able to have a, a face to face conversation with them. The council now has uh, a working group which is actively looking at how to use uh, behavioural insights techniques to encourage the required behaviours around COVID issues, such as uh, self isolation. The group have a uh, quite an extensive work uh, action plan of the areas in which uh, they need to work to uh, promote the appropriate communications to get required behaviours. And one practical outworking of the, the uh, work has been the policy intelligence teams rescripting um, for our first response team on how, when they are manning the COVID-19 helpline, they communicate uh, communicate with residents and so that's just in th things around the use of simpler language which is which is good uh, the use of user case studies to help make uh, get the message over more clearly and we mentioned this earlier on focusing on the benefits of following the covid rules uh, which is something we've spoken about a couple of times now which again is this game frame uh, idea so it's really good that uh, Nosley is continuing to use behavioural insights learning uh, across uh, a range of its services and especially at this time uh, to help deliver uh, better outcomes around COVID. 
No, that's 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 great to hear that. Yeah, the council is using behaviour change techniques to encourage that adherence to to the COVID nineteen restrictions. So, yeah, that's that's great. And, and again, councils across the country would be really um, keen to to hear more about that. I'm sure. So, that's great stuff, Dave. Thank you so much for your um, time today and for sharing with us the the nosley experience of that assistive technology. Uh, project with those fantastic results and um, and so really if you'd like to learn more about that particular project I know we talked about leaflets and intervention training for staff all of those materials are in a report the, the Nosley project report which is on our website uh, which is at www.local.gov.uk and if you search for behavioural insights you'll find our page and, and then as I say the Nosley report the interventions, the leaflets, everything is on there. So you can literally pick it up and use it within within your own council. And we have a host of other nudges for social good that you can learn from and use uh, in your council to, on your own behaviour change projects. So many thanks for listening. Please do share the podcast with your friends and colleagues and we will see you next time. Bye.